0: Homesick for Heaven. Dr. Dan Richardson, a highly respected missionary in America, uh, who was born here in San Diego. He spent many, many years overseas in different continents sharing the good news of the gospel. And he was appalled. He was... um, he was profoundly impressed by something that he illustrates in his book uh, dozens and dozens of times. I'm, I took only four examples of that to make the point. For instance, he spent time in New Guinea, and he found that this tribe, the Sawi, Sawi tribe, which is the best-known tribe in New Guinea, every time that they were... Uh, forced to have war with another tribe, they would conclude the conflict by offering the chief's son in sacrifice. Does that elicit any connections? When the great conflict and the father gives the son so that you and I may be saved? Very interesting, very interesting. He also spent time in Peru. And he learned that an Inca king, he doesn't mention the name of the king, he refused to believe in the god Inti. He didn't feel that god Inti uh, met the qualifications of a god. So he selected the name of another god, another god by the name of Villacocha. Because this God lived in the space created now by humans. He was very loving and very gracious. Any connection with what we believe? Then he went to Burma, today called Myanmar. And Myanmar is a very close society, but the predominant um, belief, right here, is the Buddhist. And there is a legend that somebody, somebody, an extraterrestrial being, left a book for them to read. But they lost the book. And that book had been written by a god, and notice the name of the god. Very, very interesting. Yahweh. Any similarity with Yahweh? Now, this is, this is fascinating, that these cultures that are so old, so old, there is a concept of God, a concept of other things that we are going to mention. And then the last illustration is in Borneo. Very, very, inter- very interesting what happened right here. The predominant people right there are the Dayaks. And the Dayaks, dy- every year, Every day, uh, every year, on the same day, on the same day, they did something that we, as Bible believers, also are very familiarized with. It was like a day of atonement, where everybody would confess their sins and write them in a piece of paper, and sometimes they would provide things, believing that that God that God was going to be gratified with their gifts. And so they would place all their petitions for forgiveness in a boat. And then they would throw the boat into the river, and with the current of the river would go to the ocean and disappear. In biblical tradition, we call that scapegoat. And they call it boat. Now, Richardson says, um, who is the one who planted those thoughts and those beliefs in the minds of these natives in all continents? He had the privilege of serving in four out of the five continents. And he said, I found a common denominator in all places, in all places. Things that God had planted in their hearts, in their minds, long time ago. Long time ago. So long that somebody who lived approximately 4,000 names, by the name of Solomon, he said it in eloquent words. God has put what? Eternity into man's heart. And another translation I took this from the NIV, and the King James have the same. There is another translation that says, God has put heaven in man's heart. Heaven, eternity. Once in a while, not very often, um, I have the joy of going back to my native country. When I say that, I have to qualify because I was born in Peru, Raised in Uruguay, and I'm an Argentinian citizen. So, (laughs) it's a little bit of an international flavor. Uh, My parents were missionaries, so that's why I was born in Peru, and and then uh, came back to Argentina for a year and a half, then 10 years in Uruguay, 10 years that we remember with great affection, and then the rest of the time before coming to America in Argentina. And because my parents are Argentinians, I have the right to be an Argentinian citizen. Every time that I go, and it hasn't been very often, in 43 years, I have been there only five times. But every time, I love to go to the place where we live for a short while. That place is where our college now, our university is. And my wife knows that. And many times, our relatives who live in Buenos Aires, they take us to Entre Rios, where the university is. Not so much... Uh, Well, because they are kind and gracious. But the last time that we went in March, I said to my wife, I don't want to go with anybody. I want to go in those buses that have two levels, and I want to go in the upper level, and I want to see those hills, and I want to see those cows, and I want to see those green pastures, and I want to see this and Well, she wanted to do the best. And she purchased tickets in the very front of the bus at the top. And so we have the sun coming against us the whole trip. (laughs) And so we have to be with the curtain covering and opening, covering and opening. But the joy of seeing those uh, hills, it was so extraordinary. And far away we were able to see our university. And that's where my father served several years as president of that place. That's for me probably home, home. And every time that I go, the, the heart races at a different speed. There is something, something that you cannot explain. You get homesick of those places. And I'm sure you have a place that elicits those feelings. Eternity is a term that is well known in the scriptures. To the people of Israel, it meant many different things. The first one, they were created as we have. We have been created to live for eternity. But sin came and interrupted that. And placed us in a long, long detour. For us it's long. For, for God it's a little bit different. Because God thinks in terms of eternity. I remember, I remember a second cousin of mine. That came from Spain to Argentina with express purpose to bring us back to the Holy Mother Church. And, um, and one Sabbath, one Sabbath we, he, he ended up being the chaplain of a hospital three miles from the place where I had my first church. And one Friday he called me and said, "Can I come to your church tomorrow?" And what a pleasant surprise that was. And so he came, and he participated. And after that, we came home to have lunch. And he asked me a few questions about Sabbath and some other things. Two weeks after that, he called me back. Can I come to your church? I like it. I said, good, perfect. So he came. And then when he came and had lunch with us, he said, now I'm going to ask you a question from the heart. What happens to us when we died? Oh, I love it. So we took a... Bible that he felt comfortable with, and and our Bible, and we study. and finally there is a moment, there is a moment, an eureka moment, when he took, we were sitting around the table, and he took the Bible, and did something like this, it was a mix of enormous anger, and unbelievable joy, both, and he took the Bible, did something like this, boom! Finally, I believe in God. He said, I have sent so many people to hell, and so many people to purgatory. And I asked myself the question, if God is a God of love, how is it possible to justify that for 50 or 60 or 100 years of sin? Now we have to spend eternity in hell. There is no sense of proportionality. I believe what you just read me. And the next day he went back to Spain, resigned his position and came back to Argentina. I got married and, well, he came to convert us and he ended up (laughs) eternity. And I remember he put the finger in front of me. Oh, he was so angry. He was so angry and he was so happy. And he said, do you know what eternity means? I said, I hardly understand what one day means. And he said, I don't either. I said, how, the, how are you going to spend eternity in a place burning a little bit each second? Oh, that is not from God. I said, it's not from God for sure. For sure. Eternity. We have been created in terms of eternity. And one day, one day, one day on Thursday night... I was so enthusiastic about today's sermon. I even dream. and dreamed that I have died a few seconds be- before Jesus came. Few seconds. So, did die. Next, I opened my eyes. I with Jesus I said, "Is this the beginning of eternity?" And he, Jesus said, "Yes." Oh, I got so excited. I woke up. I don't know. Okay, Eternal God. There is no beginning, no end. I don't, do you understand that? God has no beginning and no end. But not only that, God is not only eternal, he is eternally merciful. How do you like that? (laughs) For me, it's the source of immense gratitude that we are going to be saved. Several questions have been raised after the last Sabbath sermon several, I got several remains, and even today, uh, these are questions, and, and um, uh, it, it's so awesome, it's so awesome, what is going to happen during those 1,000 years, and what is going to happen for eternity, and so there are many questions, most of which we are not able to answer today, but one day we will, one day we will, by the mercy of God, and one, one something that I mentioned to those who asked me today questions about the millennium, Um, once we read those, the book, particularly the book of Remembrance, and we realize everything that we have done that is not right, everything that, every thought that was not perfect, every motivation that was not pure, everything, everything, everything will be there. And then we are going to say, there is no question that I'm here because God is grace. Nothing else. So don't think too much about yourself, okay? Uh, eternal merciful God, and we we'll go to a destination that is also eternal. Eternal. Aren't we going to get bored? Be honest. Uh, as Pastor Vaughn said, playing the uh, harp the whole day, <laughs> and then harp practice, and harp concert, and uh, it doesn't look very appealing. It doesn't look very appealing. So, whatever is there, the Apostle Paul is right. It's far far beyond what we can imagine. Far beyond what we have seen. Far beyond anything that we can uh, conceive the heaven. Eternal joy and beauty. Wow. Eternal joy and beauty. Well, but there is a problem. The problem is, and, and, and Solomon describes that problem. He says... It's difficult, it's difficult to understand everything that God has done from the very beginning to the very end. It's difficult. There are so many questions. I have so many questions. I don't like to focus my sermons and my meditations and my conversations on questions. I I like to highlight whatever little I know in the context of God's goodness. But let's be honest. All of us have questions. Sometimes it's frustrating. And he says this. They, that means us, cannot fathom, cannot understand, cannot comprehend what God has done from beginning to end. And then in chapter 8, he said, but God is fair. God is fair. God is fair. Yes, we agree. How do we solve that problem? How, what should we do not to get discouraged? I have to deal with negative aspects in life, not necessarily so many in my life, but in the lives of those that I serve. Almost every day, every day, deal with this situation, and the other situation, and the other situation. There is so much pain, there is so much agony, there is so much suffering in this world. How do you deal with those circumstances? C.S. Lewis, he was a gifted man of God. And he has an statement that I divided in two parts. The first part goes like this. God has put the beauty of eternity, and in... And he explained that he was referring to heaven, into our hearts, so that we will find our way to, who is him? Why is it, why is it, that the gospel is spread by far faster in places where there is poverty, where that, in places where there is plenty? Because people, they don't have anything, they have no means. And then, even in some places, here in in San Diego, there are people who are so poor, they don't know where to go, what to do, nothing. So, obviously, they place their confidence in God. In God. Please God, help me, help me. And then he concludes the statement like this. Our deepest longings will never be satisfied until we come to what? Personal knowledge of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the beginning and the end of everything. Amen. That is the truth. That is the truth. Two weeks ago, somebody came here, uh, referred by one of you, uh, and he wanted to talk about God. And I remember, I remember him saying something like this: "I don't believe in God, but so and so told me to come here." One of you. <laughs> To come here and to talk about God. And so, as I mentioned last week, I asked him the question, uh, describe the God that you don't believe. And obviously, it was a harsh God, a very hard God, and uh taxing God, and so on and so forth. He said, I don't blame you. I don't believe in that God either. And he was surprised. You don't? No, I don't. In what kind of God do you believe? And so, uh, I start with the story of Mary Magdalene. And how Jesus treated her royally, royally, and how he pursued that relationship until, until, three years after that, finally she understood who he was and accepted him wholeheartedly as her savior. And I saw his eyes got a little bit wet, people, we meant, we don't want to let know that we have been moved, so we make a great effort and, and... not letting the tears come out, okay? And, and, but he was moved. He was very quiet. And then I continue with another story. The story of Job. And he said that the story is, is disturbs me profoundly. That's why one reason I don't believe in God. And said, let me show 14 characteristics of Job and his sufferings with the life of Christ and his life here on earth. He said, oh, that makes sense. And he started to believe in God. I said, can we meet again? Sure, sure. So we are studying the Bible now. Studying the Bible. Jesus is the answer to every single question. This is not an exaggeration. It's the very truth. It's the very truth. So he asked me, it's difficult for me to read this book. I just don't understand the Bible. Can you recommend me a book other than the Bible that talks about God? I said, of course. So I showed him this one, Peace Above the Storm. Have you ever seen this? It has a name also, Steps to Christ. What an incredible book. Uh, here I have several ver- different versions, Steps to Christ. It looks better like this. Uh, Peace Above the Storm it has good pictures. and You know that it's also in 118 different languages? It's a classic, all-time, um, uh, popular book in Spanish, El Camino a Cristo. Paz Más Allá de la Tormenta. I like this one, Feliz Para Siempre, Joyful Forever. <laughs> if you haven't read this book, see me at the end of the service, and I will be happy to give you one. Okay? Um, what an extraordinary book. And in the chapter that deals about peace, and he asked me, I specifically want to deal with peace. I don't have peace. And I need peace. And then I pointed to the chapter on peace. And there is a statement like this. Every morning, every morning, consecrate yourself to God. Make that your first work every day. When you wake up, instead, oh, another day. You say, Lord, thank you, another day, by your grace. Use me. Give me the strength. Give me the ability to go forward. Oh, I'll tell you something. It will, mark, it will establish the pace for the rest of the day. You will wake up always and walk on the right foot. Always, when you do that. And I almost made that boo boo right here. Okay. And then continues, surrender all your plans to Him to be carried out or given up as the providence shall indicate. And thus, day by day, you will give in your life more into the hands of God. And thus, your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. Oh, my friends, that is powerful. Every morning, whether you understand what is going on or not, surrender your life to God. And you will see how that is going to guide your life in an impressive way. And then it concludes the page with this statement All the resources of heaven are available to you. Do you understand that? All the resources of heaven are available to those who surrender their lives to God every day. So I said, Okay, what resources? And I selected one, one that I want to share with you briefly, that you know. That is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that we know least. We know plenty about Jesus through the Word of God. He came and became, He came here and became one of us. We know a little bit about the Father, but not much about the Holy Spirit. And as Enrique said to me uh, almost every week, We are studying the Bible together. And he said, I'm so grateful to the Holy Spirit. He is the one that is changing my life. I said, praise God. He is the one that is giving me hope and a future and and a reason for me to to live. And it's true. Let me show you how the Spirit is interested in you and in me. So much so. When Adam was created, and you didn't believe that we're photographers right there, okay? When Adam was created, there is an incredible statement that God made. He is right there, shaping him from the dust of the earth. And then there is a moment that he looks fairly good, but is dead. There is no life. And then God came down to his nostrils, and he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. Do you know what the breath of life is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the same word, ruach. So when Adam was created, God this did this. There is the Holy Spirit inside of you. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says that our bodies are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. He is the one in Romans that works in our conscience, and he convicts us of sin. He is the one who shows us the way. He is the one who gives us the strength. He is the one who places the desire to do what is right, and the power to do it. And if there is any doubt in the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, verse 27, it also says that Adam and Eve were created in the image and in the likeness of God. And God is the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit should be exceedingly important in your considerations. Well, that is not all. When Jesus is ready to depart, He is already resurrected, resurrected and is the last meeting that He has with His disciples, probably in the upper room. And notice what He did. Notice what He did. He is talking with them, and suddenly... He breathed... Ah, can I go to the previous? He, Jesus, breathed on them and said, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. It's given when you are born. Jesus reaffirms that for what purpose? Because the Holy Spirit is going to open your minds and mind to understand the Scriptures. Sometimes people tell me, ah, it's so difficult for me to understand whatever is there. And then we have to pray to the Holy Spirit. He will give you understanding. He will give you understanding. That is not all. <laughs> In John, um, David, you told me that I intended to forget things. In John 14, 26, 14, 26, That, for me, is an incredible promise. The older that you get, the more that you forget. Okay? It says, the Spirit will teach us how many things? And now comes the great moment. And will remind you of how much? Everything. Don't you love it? The day before yesterday, I went to visit somebody in the hospital. Uh, Somebody who is not an Adventist. Also refer courtesy of one of you, which I love it, okay? I'm not complaining. I love to do that. A significant part of my ministry is given to those who are not members of our congregation. And I love every opportunity, so don't stop doing that. And he said something like this. In other words, he said, I appreciate your visit. I have never met this person before. I appreciate your visit. I appreciate your words of hope. But tell me something. Give me one text from the Bible. And I said, okay, Lord, what should I say? And boom, came. And he told, he, an impression came to tell him this and this verse. It becomes a little bit personal, that's why I'm not going to tell you what the text is. And he said, oh, it's talking about me. I said, maybe, maybe. The Spirit knows. The Spirit knows. It's amazing what the Spirit can do. But let me tell you, you can repeat those verses when you have learned those verses. He's not going to reveal to you something that you haven't studied, okay? So that's why it's important to spend time in the Word. Okay. This is a second stage of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do What? To be my witnesses. So there is a spiritual, intellectual stage where he will help you, but he also will help you in action, to put that in action, to be his witnesses. Okay, how do we enhance our homesickness for heaven? I'm going to quote all these verses from Solomon, from Ecclesiastes. Solomon knew one or two things. He was the wisest man that ever existed outside of Jesus Christ. And so he says, he uses the term, I know. In another version, he says, I perceive. But I like the NIV. I know. And I'm going to share with you three things that he knows, he knew, that can enhance your sense of homesickness for, homesickness for heaven. Sickness from heaven, yeah. First one, and I'm going to... I, Paraphrase, and I'm going to use my words in the first one. First one is, seek Him, seek God. Spend time in the Word, my brothers and sisters. There is nothing that can substitute the time that you spend in the Word of God. Nothing. He will remind you, the Holy Spirit will teach you, and He will remind you what you have learned. But if you have not learned, there is nothing to be reminded about. Except that you should have read about that before, but you didn't. So it's important to spend. Be mindful, and these four concepts are in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Be mindful of his love, of his will, of his power, and his timing. It's so important to respect God's timing. Sometimes I hear expressions like this. I am who I am. In other words, I said whatever I want, and whenever I want. That's how I am. Well, that's a very simplistic uh, approach to life. It doesn't matter if you hurt everybody. It doesn't matter. You are like that, so boom! Uh, The time is important, and how we say things is also important. Okay? So, seek him, spend time in the world, be mindful of his love. His will, his power, and his timing. I see somebody here today that I'm so happy that is here. And this individual told me a very interesting story. They were going through a difficult time. Very difficult time. And they were facing some severe test in the family. And this person is sick and tired of whatever is going on. And the 10-year-old son said to the parent make the best of a bad situation a 10 year old child reminds the parent uh, the parent make the best don't you see that i'm also going through that those circumstances i'm trying to do my best you dad or mom it doesn't matter do also the best that you can don't you love it that came from solomon In the today English Bible, that's what it says. Even if you don't understand everything that God has done from the beginning to the end, do the best under the circumstances. And then there is another statement right there. You may not be able to be happy all the time, but you should be joyful all the time. What is the difference between being happy and being joyful? Being happy is determined... Being happy is determined by the circumstances. By the circumstances. be joyful depends on that relationship. So the circumstances may not be appropriate. May, they may be a little bit adverse. But if you have a strong relationship with Jesus, you said, I don't understand what's going on. But I'm committed to you. Help me to go through those circumstances. And everything will be okay. Number two. He has an assignment for you. He is very specific. Read Ecclesiastes 3 verses 8 through 14. He has an assignment for you. Notice these four characteristics. Serve joyfully, energetically, and with what? Gratitude. Uh, let me read again. Serve joyfully, Energetically, what? Gratitude, gratitude. Number three. Do your uh, number two still? Do you do good while you live? And then he makes something interesting. He makes a reference that the apostle Paul takes in Ephesians chapter two, verses ten. And it's this: God has created you to be a co-worker with God, a partner with God. To do something that he has prepared in advance for you to do. How do you like that? That is that is a remarkable statement. He prepares the hearts of those that he has to touch, so that we may be able to do it with his blessing and with his power. God prepares in advance for us to do. And the third one, the third one. Everything God does endures how long? Exactly. Everything that we do, my brothers and sisters, it has a projection for eternity. Either if it's good or if it's bad. But it has a projection for eternity and we have to be mindful of that. Let me give you an illustration. I know that I'm going to embarrass one of you, but I also guarantee that I'm going to be forgiven. On May 15, something happened, this is not theory, so I'm going to give you the illustration right now. On May 15th, something happened at Grossmont College. An awards ceremony uh, took place, teaching award. And Sharon Villarino was on right there. She didn't tell me that, okay, I want to clarify that. Uh, she uh, probably surprised that I know this. It happened on May 15. And she's one of the four individuals in certain discipline that she is honored. Uh, I was so happy when I saw that in the, in the internet. That's where I got it from. <laughs> I said, Sharon, how come you haven't said anything about this? This is beautiful. She was selected among a large group of professionals because of a sense of excellence in exercise science and wellness. About nine weeks. Amen. Indeed. About nine weeks ago, I, um, Sharon sends me sometimes emails asking for, uh, spiritual questions or theological questions. And I love those emails. I just love those emails. Uh, they are by far more delightful to answer than dealing with difficult problems, okay? And, um, so in answer to an email, I said, why don't you read the book of Nehemiah? The book of Nehemiah will address that issue. Very, very well. Very well. Read it. And once you finish reading the book, tell me what the Holy Spirit is telling you. That was all. That was all. And so one week went by, and two weeks went by, and three weeks went by, and four, and five, and six, and seven, and eight. Lord! Are you talking to Sharon? And then she said one Sabbath here, I'm ready to chat. Oh, I wonder what we have to chat about. So we got an appointment, and she asked me several questions. But it was not specific. She was not a specific. And then two weeks after that, she said, We have to chat again. And we did. And then she told me what the Lord had said. Oh, I was so happy. I was so happy. And then she said, I want to meet with uh, the three of you, three members of the staff, Trina, and Vaughn, and you. And I want to talk with the three of you. She so, said, sure. So we took on Tuesday, talked on Tuesday. And she was a little bit nervous at the beginning. And, uh, and, but we did. Uh, We uh, had a little bit of humor in the process, and then she went went to the topic. Let me tell you something, my brothers. I have been in the seminary a few years, and I have never, ever heard an explanation about the book of Nehemiah so good as the one that Sharon learned through the Holy Spirit. Never. It was absolutely exceptional. And one of us tried to take the conversation in a certain direction, and she came back with, she came back with gusto and with determination and commitment. No, I want Christ to be the center of everything. And then she said that again. No, if we do this, I want Christ to be the norm. I want Jesus to be the norm for everything. Oh, good Sharon. Very good, very good, very good. Well, she agreed to do something. She agreed to be, and these are her words, to be an instigator. An instigator. Working with the young adults in our church. Or, as she calls the young in spirit. Is those who have gone over 35, but I still have the zeal, they still want to do something that requires energy and purpose and meaning. And she's going to talk to you eventually, she's going to call you, she's going to share with you uh, whatever the spirit is telling her. If I believe in this approach, my brothers and sisters, the experience with Sharon and the experience with others who are sitting right here. Who believe in the living of the spirit it has been confirmed so much. On Thursday last week. No, not this Thursday. The Thursday before. I got two emails from two of you who are right here. And with words like this. If there is a project where young adults can be, in one case, it's very specific, where young adults can be engaged. I have this amount of money that I want to give. And another one, the same day said, if there is a project that would, could use this amount of money, we are ready to write a check. Is that from God? Oh, I believe in that wholeheartedly. God is so Good. How often? All the time. I invite you, I urge you, in the name of Jesus, to spend time with him in the world. To listen to him. To ask him for the assignment. He's very clear. He talks about an assignment. He says in one version of the Bible, business, and in another version, this is burden. Very interesting. Burden. Business. Assignment. Accept that assignment. And with joy and gratitude, put your energy to do it, because it will have results for Italy.